0: This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now, your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon and welcome to the program. Richard Duggan filling in for you here for the next hour on On Target. Linda is taking a much deserved day off. She will be back on Monday, however. Uh, But on today's show, we have a couple of pretty packed topics for you here today because we are going to be speaking with the province's chief medical officer of health. And of course, there's lots going on there in terms of the circulation of uh, many respiratory viruses, RSV, COVID, um, and so much else is going on. So lots of topics to tackle there as well. Uh, We're also going to kind of, um, in the second half of the program, take a look at the year that was in terms of some of the challenges of COVID and looking ahead uh, to the future uh, for 2023 and beyond. So without further ado, uh, welcome to the program, Dr. Janice Fitzgerald. Welcome. Hi, good afternoon. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the program today. There's lots to talk about. Uh, So, I guess we'll start with uh, some of the more pressing current challenges in relation to uh, the respiratory viruses that are going around. Of course, we've uh, all seen it the high rate of uh, people presenting to hospital uh, with respiratory illnesses. I know from my own personal experience, uh, we just had the flu, I think, just went through just about everybody in the family uh, in my house. Um, So, I guess just to start off, Dr. Fitzgerald, what is public health seeing right now in terms of the viruses that are circulating?
1: Yeah, so we're certainly seeing uh, flu um, being, you know, really uh,
0: increasing
1: over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, It's a bit of an early start to the flu season. We don't usually see it till either later in December into January, really. So, um, you know, this is a bit of an early start. We're um, certainly seeing that um, a lot of uh, young children are being affected, um, you know, winding up at the emergency department and being admitted to hospital. So, um, you know, that's that's probably our biggest pressure that we're feeling right now is from flu. We're still seeing some COVID, although that's been holding very steady, um, as well as RSV. And RSV has uh, been a little bit uh, increased as well over the last, uh, you know, two, four weeks, but uh, holding fairly steady right now, uh, but still seeing a bit of it circulating.
0: Why do you think children in particular are feeling the the pressure from this current spike?
1: So, you know, we've had a couple of years where there hasn't been much circulating and, and that um, um, having that exposure to viruses over time is certainly important for our immune system to build up, uh, to build up the immunity that we need to be able to fight these things off. And so we have a, a group of children that haven't been exposed to a whole lot over the last two years or so. And so now they're, um, uh, you know, all of them, I guess, are being exposed at once. And so we're seeing more spread through a, a susceptible population. Um, and uh, and then we also have, uh, you know, to some degree, um, seasons, flu seasons, for example, will wax and wane over time. So some flu seasons are worse than others. That sort of a normal trend that you see. So it's hard to detect for sure what's happening, but it's probably multifactorial.
0: And I guess, too, uh, you mentioned that there are a lot of children who haven't been exposed to these types of viruses in, in a long time, and I guess for some children who you know, are three and a half and under, never in their entire life have they they've been exposed to this type of stuff.
1: Yeah, that that's likely true for a lot of kids out there, yeah.
0: And so uh, you mentioned it earlier as well, but um, most of these uh, admissions are due to the flu and not uh, RSV and, and COVID?
1: Um, certainly what we're seeing now uh, is the flu is certainly the predominant uh, virus that, that we're seeing. It's not to say that there aren't admissions for RSV or COVID, but uh, flu certainly seems to be um, the, the virus that's driving a lot of these hospitalizations, especially in children at this time
0: what is our hospital capacity right now to deal with us? Um, so, you know, operational stuff is not
1: in my wheelhouse per se, um, but certainly, you know, uh, we heard reports from, um, from the Janeway that, uh, you know, they are, they are um, challenged at the moment to, to, uh, to with regard to capacity, but, as always, you know, our acute care, uh, health care uh, workers are more than capable of stepping up and being able to respond. And they have done that, uh, you know, quite admirably over the last week or two.
0: Is it getting to a point where you would almost want to see some uh, measures put back in place to sort of try to curve this trend? Or do you think it's manageable?
1: So I think at this point, what we have to remember is that we have the means available to be able to change the trajectory of what's happening. And that's, uh, you know, to be um, to get vaccinated. Um, flu shots and COVID vaccines are available quite uh, widely throughout the province. And we certainly recommend that um, you are up to date with your COVID vaccines and that you get your annual flu shot and that parents get their children's, children vaccinated as well. You know, we're only seeing about just under 10% of uh, children have gotten their flu shots. So we really need that to turn around. And um, so we need to uh, really focus on what's going to make a difference right now, which is vaccination. And, of course, all those other things that we do, careful, you know, hand washing, um, staying at home if you're sick and really unwell, um, and wearing a mask, especially for those 10 days after you develop symptoms of respiratory illness to reduce the risk of of passing it on to
0: someone else. That 10%, is that that on par with years before, or is that uh, lower? Um, So, yeah, a little bit
1: lower this year up to uh, the last report that we have. Um, It looks like, you know, not quite as many people have been vaccinated against flu as in previous years, so really hoping to uh, change the tide on that.
0: Do you know if many people are availing of getting the two vaccines at once—the COVID booster and the flu shot—or are people getting one over the other?
1: Um, So we don't really have information that tells us are people getting them at the same time. Um, But certainly, uh, we know that it is that is being offered at most, if not all, flu shot clinics that you can or vaccine clinics that you can get both. Uh, vaccines at uh, the same time and the clinics have been quite, um, uh, you know, quite accommodating in that regard for uh, for anyone coming in.
0: I've heard that uh, and, I, and I read an article the other night about um, COVID infections and how in the weeks and months after being infected um, it can make people more susceptible to getting other illnesses. Is that something that you're aware of and could that be a possible explanation for why we're seeing such a high prevalence of other uh, respiratory illnesses uh, circulating?
1: So certainly um, you know there's some um, there's some research out there that's suggesting that. I, I would venture to say that you know any significant illness um, could uh, impair your response uh, in, you know, in the few uh, days to weeks after recovery. Uh, with regard to long-term effect on that, that, you know, the, the evidence is just not there to, to support that um, for the most part at this point in time. Obviously, more work is going to be done in that, but there's no, um, I guess the body of evidence is just not there at this point for us to say that that is indeed the case. And certainly, I don't think it's contributing significantly at this point.
0: Maybe this next question is a bit of a crystal ball question, but I'll throw it out there anyway. With how severe this uh, flu season has been, is this has this been like a, an anomaly of a year for flu? Or do you think we could see similarly harsh conditions uh, moving forward for, for flu seasons?
1: You no, know, I think what we had to remember, you know, we've had flu around for a long time and we've seen how flu goes. So some years are really bad years and some years are not so bad. You know, I remember back to 2015, 16, I think it was a, uh, or maybe in 14, 15, but right around that time, you know, it was pretty bad year for, uh, for flu. And we, uh, you know, saw a lot of people getting sick, especially older people. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was a really bad year. And so, if flu tends to do that, some years are much worse than others. So, I don't think that we can take, uh, you know, having an early, uh, somewhat more severe flu season this year to be a predictor of the flu seasons to come because that's just not what we have seen in the past.
0: Is there any modeling uh, of, around this season? Or have we, do you think we've reached a plateau with this season or is the could we still see a rise in these cases, or do you think that we'll soon see them start to drop off?
1: Um, So certainly, you know, over this past week, we've seen a rise in cases, and I expect just based on what we've seen elsewhere in the country, um, and we've been a little bit behind what's happened in the rest of the country, which is not unusual. We do tend to get a a flu a little bit later than other places. Um, But, uh, you know, I think we still have a, a little bit of a ways to go yet before we see a peak. Um, and, uh, uh, but, you know, there, there's some signs, uh, elsewhere in the country pointing to that, uh, that they may be sort of cresting that plateau. So, um, but I think we've got a, a little bit, a little bit longer to go yet.
0: We're speaking with Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Janice Fitzgerald on today's edition of On Target, talking about the, uh, Uh, wide amount of of, uh, respiratory illnesses that are going around and uh, some of what public health is seeing. We are up against the clock for our first break of the day, but we're going to continue this conversation when we come back. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And welcome back to the program. Richard Duggan filling in for Linda Swain today, who is taking a day off. On today's edition of On Target, we are speaking with Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Janice Fitzgerald. And before the break, uh, we were talking about this year's flu season and sort of some of the more severe impacts that we've been seeing this year in, in Uh, comparison to previous years, especially with the pandemic. Um, Dr. Fitzgerald, in past years, uh, especially um, in, you know, 2020, 2021, uh, public health was really uh, worried about... uh, sort of the double pandemic of COVID and influenza circulating at the same time and was worried about uh, people contracting both of those viruses at the same time. Are we seeing any of that where people are getting sort of that double whammy of COVID and influenza presenting?
1: Um, Certainly, we've had some cases of co-infection with, uh, you know, uh, flu and COVID, uh, um, COVID and RSV, RSV and flu. Um, That happens all the time. Um, and, you know, COVID is another virus in that mix now. So, uh, yeah, we are seeing some of that. Um, it's not the majority, of course, but we, every now and then, yeah, we have a we have a
0: co-infection for sure. What complications can that present?
1: Well, I mean, it's it certainly you have two infections uh, at the same time. It certainly it makes it a little more difficult for the body to try to fight that off. Um, and, uh, and so we may see, uh, you know, prolonged recovery times with regard to, to that. Um, and uh, so we always, you know, that's really why it's so important for us to do whatever we can um, as a society to try to reduce that, that risk of, of uh, spread of these diseases to especially people who are more susceptible and uh, vulnerable. So the young kids these days. And um, and older adults. So, you know, getting your vaccine is really important. Getting your flu shot and being up to date on your COVID vaccine is just really important to help reduce that risk.
0: We've uh, seen the conversation pop up in other provinces, uh, especially with uh, how how this flu season uh, has been impacting children. Is it time for parents to start considering masking in schools again?
1: Um, so I think we've, we've said from the very, you know, since we've lifted the restrictions, really, and and uh, the public health emergency that, you know, masking needs to be, um, you need to consider masking and you need to make that personal choice about masking. Um, you know, look at your risk. Am I going somewhere where we might, um, where I might be at higher risk of being exposed to COVID? Am I at higher risk for developing severe symptoms of COVID? Um And and to take that risk assessment and then make a decision about whether or not you wear a mask. Um, And that's still, you know, our recommendation um, that that you do that. And we very strongly recommend that people wear masks if they are, you know, if they have symptoms, if they've had symptoms of a respiratory illness and they are you know, recover to the point where they can get back to their normal daily activities, we really want them to wear masks for the 10 days after their symptom onset to reduce the risk
0: of spread to other people. Would you consider schools a high-risk setting right now?
1: So what we have to remember about schools, I mean, yeah, there are, um, you know, there's kids in, you know, a number of kids in a classroom, and so there is that chance that things can spread. But we have to remember that children get together in a lot of other places as well. And so they, um, you know, they have uh, social activities together, recreational activities together, sports activities together. Um, and so there are lots of opportunities for um, respiratory illnesses to spread in those situations. And I think for, for children right now, I, I, the most important thing really is to make sure that uh, if they're unwell, that they're staying at home and they're not attending you know, these events.
0: Given how, uh, again, you know, with with these impacts on kids, and we mentioned earlier uh, how you'd like to see the vaccination rates among children for the flu uh, uh, increase, uh, has there been any talk of uh, potentially doing uh, vaccine clinics in the schools to try to boost up those numbers?
1: Um, so some, uh, some areas are going into schools to, uh, to get children vaccinated, and, uh, you know, the RHAs have to make operational decisions on that. Um, and uh, and that depends on uh, there's you know multiple factors that can make help them make that decision. Um, what we have to remember you know in some areas that if we're thinking about getting the maximum number of people vaccinated per unit of time, uh, you know the quickest way for that to happen is very often in a mass vaccination clinic um, as opposed to having to um, you know, divide resources to go into separate schools and that sort of thing. So um, so RHAs will make those operational decisions. Um, there will be some uh, school visits, but uh, it'll depend on just, you know, the local context, really.
0: What would your message be, you know, in talking about vaccinations and knowing that those numbers are so slow? What, what would your message be to maybe some parents out there who haven't gotten their kids vaccinated against the flu yet, or maybe they're on the fence about whether or not they're going to do it or not, what would your message be to them?
1: Well, you know, as always, our message is to get your flu shot for sure. Um, You know, we know that the flu vaccine is safe. Um, It is, um, you know, certainly it can reduce spread and it is effective at uh, preventing severe disease, even if you catch the flu after you've had the flu shot. Um, So, Uh, We really are recommending that uh, parents get their children vaccinated. Um, What we're seeing right now in these kids who haven't had that, um, you know, previous exposure is that uh, when they're getting the flu, they're really, you know, some of them are getting quite sick and they're ending up in emergency or even admitted to hospital. So we're trying to prevent that from happening. We have to think about all the children that are out there and, uh, um, you know, trying to protect those who uh, may be more vulnerable to severe disease. So uh, it's really important that we get, um, get the kids vaccinated. But as well, we want to reduce that risk in the family, and the household. Um, so it's important for the adults around those children to get vaccinated as well. And especially for that under six months of age group where, you know, we, we can't give uh, children under six months um, the flu vaccine. So it's really important for all of the adults or the older people, people over six months, I guess, in that household to be vaccinated against flu to prevent the spread to those uh, to that group who really can't get the vaccine and, uh, you know, may not have um, the best immune defenses to be able to fight it off.
0: Was this uh, spike in children? Was this anticipated? Did we foresee uh, that there would be some sort of a spike in children in the fall or?
1: Well, I think you know. Certainly, we um, we felt that, given that we haven't had a lot of circulating virus over the last couple of years, uh, we certainly felt that it could be a um, uh, a more significant season, respiratory virus season this year, as people got back to normal activities and and uh, you know doing normal uh, normal things. So, uh, I, I don't know that it was. Uh, completely unexpected Um, but you know you never know until until it happens what exactly is going to happen
0: we're speaking with chief medical officer of health dr janice fitzgerald on today's edition of on target Uh, we're going to take another short break and when we come back i want to touch on uh covid testing Uh, of course uh recently the uh covid uh, tests were mailed out to people across the province and were, uh, are soon or are currently uh, offered in public libraries, MHA's offices, so I want to talk on that and much more coming up here on today's edition of the program. Don't go away. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And welcome back to On Target. Richard Duggan in the studio here today. We're speaking with Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Janice Fitzgerald. And Dr. Fitzgerald, switching gears a little bit now, um... Recently, public health began the rollout of uh, COVID-19 tests uh, in the mail, and uh, I know, for example, I got mine in the mail a couple of days ago. Um, from your point of view, I I know it just started, but how's the rollout going so far? And uh, are things going, I guess, as expected and as you had hoped?
1: Yeah, actually, I think we're we're all quite pleased with how things have gone so far. You know, this is a uh, if you think about uh, the the breadth of that operation, it's it's fairly extensive and. Uh, and I think that uh, for the most part, we're hearing that people are getting their tests. I got mine uh, yesterday as well. So um, I think uh, to date, we've not heard uh, feedback to suggest that it hasn't been going well and uh, and uh, rolling along as expected. So yeah, we're quite pleased
0: uh, so for, ju- just for the context of it, uh, just walk me through, again, why uh, public health felt that this was a needed initiative right now.
1: Yeah, so we wanted to make sure that people had uh, the ability to test themselves for COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, we certainly heard what people said earlier in the spring about uh, wanting access to, uh, to rapid tests. Um, I think when we looked at our geography and trying to get uh, to all of those areas, uh, you know, uh, that are a little more remote or isolated, we certainly uh, felt that this um, was the best way to do that, the most equitable way to, to be able to get those tests out to the public. Um, and then, so we, we are, you know, doing this mail out that everyone will get uh, 10 tests, so two packs will be two separate mail outs, and uh, you'll get those in, in the mail and, uh, and then, you know, if you, either if you don't get your test or if, you're, um, if you've used your test, if you've run out, then, then there's the option of, um, um, you know, the MHA's offices. And the MHA's have been quite, um, uh, you know, quite good about uh, being a part of this and volunteering their, their time to be able to do this. So we're really happy about that as well as public libraries who've also... Um, you know, uh, been quite accommodating and helping us do this. And, uh, and then we've also, um, you know, connected with other, um, other groups as well to make sure that we're getting uh, people who we may not be able to reach with the mail-out.
0: Uh, what, uh, what groups have you, have you been talking with? Um, well, you know, community organizations to service people who may not
1: um, have uh, addresses with Canada Post, um, we've also uh, been in, uh, uh, we've uh, connected with um, post secondary institutions, you know, where they may have people staying in residence who may not um, have, have permanent addresses in, in residence, you know.
0: So, yeah. um, and I, I wanted to circle back as well. So, um, uh, we mentioned that uh, that these tests will be available at public libraries, MHA offices. Are they available at those sites now, or is that still incoming?
1: Um, yeah. As far as I'm aware, that that process has happened. Uh, I'm not involved in the day-to-day uh, rollout of, of the test, but uh, yeah. As far as my understanding is that uh, those sites have the test at this point. Of course, best to to check that out before you drive a significant distance to get them. But uh, you know, so a phone call wouldn't hurt just to make sure. But as far as my understanding is that that has happened.
0: I know Public Health has been asking uh, when people take one of those rapid tests uh, uh, to report the result. Um, Have many people been doing that? Are you getting many people uh, reporting their test results through the rapid tests?
1: Yeah, there's been a fair steady stream of people reporting it, and we certainly do encourage people to do that. Um, You know, it's helpful for us uh, to know. Uh, It gives us an idea just, you know, what's circulating out there. And um, and it and it is used uh, to some degree uh, in looking at some of the um, you know the epidemiology and modeling that we do. So we really would appreciate the public's uh, cooperation in that regard, and uh, and to go on take the, the five minutes or so that it, it'll take to uh, to report your positive test.
0: And in talking about uh, to sort of wrap this together with something else that we were talking about, uh, you know. With the uh, co- weekly COVID numbers that are released, um, as we mentioned earlier, those numbers have been fairly steady. You know, uh, when we look at the numbers every week, there hasn't been a really significant spike in the numbers uh, this fall from those laboratory confirmed tests. And of course, if we look at the emergency rooms, uh, you know, those are telling a bit of a different story in terms of people presenting with respiratory illness. Um, and of course from what you're seeing with uh people reporting their own tests um, what's your assessment of the real prevalency of of COVID in the community right now based on that
1: yeah so i mean we're certainly Seeing COVID. There's no doubt about that. I don't think the pressures on the emergency departments or the hospitals are due to COVID at this point in time. Um, The COVID hospitalizations have been fairly steady. That is an indicator of just what's spreading in the community. Um, And if hospitalizations are holding steady, then in all likelihood, infections in the community are holding steady as well. And what we have to remember about COVID, because we have had such good uptake of the Primary uh, vaccine series, as well as the first booster for a lot of those higher risk groups, um, you know, we're we're not seeing the level of severe disease with COVID that uh, could happen had had we not had such, uh, you know, had we not had that vaccination um, happening. So I think um, it's multifactorial, but what we're seeing in the community right now, what's driving the, most of these admissions to the hospital, is not COVID. So uh, I think. You know, what we're seeing in the test, while it might not be a representative of what's truly, it it may not say for sure what's what's happening in the community, like the numbers may not be exact. I think certainly what we're seeing with regard to um, the trends in COVID is holding steady and that COVID has been steady.
0: Um, In terms of the testing stations that have been set up, uh, you know, that you have to go get an appointment for, are are there many people availing of those now, or are they starting to sort of go by the wayside now as rapid tests are uh, more available?
1: Yeah, I certainly think that, uh, you know, most regions are seeing very little um, uh, demand, I guess, for those tests. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of people who are... Uh, presenting to eMERGE who are getting tests done, you know, that testing is getting done in in the acute care setting. Um, So there's not a, there's, you know, certainly we've seen a decrease in the amount of, uh, in the demand for those tests over the last, uh, oh, months or so. And now that people have the rapid tests for COVID, um, certainly, um, you know, we're encouraging people to avail of those rapid tests. And uh, you know, that is, if you have a positive rapid test, that's certainly, um, uh, and you are eligible for uh, medication, like a positive rapid test will allow you to get the medication. Um, you don't need to have a PCR in that situation. So, um, yeah, so I think, I think uh, certainly the rapid tests will, will see a, a change, again, in the demand for, uh, for PCR testing.
0: Um, uh, switching topics a little bit again. Now I want to talk uh, for a second about long COVID. Um, I keep hearing uh, stories, people reaching out to me, uh, people saying that the that they're still feeling some pretty uh, serious effects of long COVID. Um, we're almost three years in now. I think it, it was this this month in 2019 that uh, you know the first cases of COVID started to pop up. So we're three years in now. Um, do we have a better understanding? now of long COVID and sort of what are some of the long-term effects?
1: Um, so I think, you know, certainly the research is ongoing and um, and I, I would expect that we're learning more and more every day. Uh, you know, uh, the treatment and follow-up and management of long COVID, uh, you know, it's a very individualized treatment. So it does fall outside of the the realm of public health and and what we do when when we're talking about communicable disease control, um, but certainly you know I we're learning more and more all the time, and it does appear that uh, you know vaccination and mild disease um, there's a lower risk of long COVID, and that it, it certainly uh, it appears that it's being seen less uh, less now proportionately than it was um, you know before uh, Omicron, we'll say, but. Uh, that's not to say it's not happening. It's just, uh, you know, there's, there's less, um, correlation there, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, sh- the information will, uh, continue to, uh, uh to come in the and The, uh, research will continue to be done. And, um, you know, hopefully we will, um, we will get more uh, definitive information as time goes on.
0: Um, earlier this year, uh, Public health, or sorry, the health authorities began the uh, administration of the oral antiviral COVID medication. Uh, just hoping to get an update on that and how it's been working for patients who have been eligible to get it.
1: Um, so Paxlovid, uh, yeah, has been available um, for, uh, yeah, most of this year, I guess. And um, you know, I think uh, certainly people have availed of it. Uh, once again, though, uh, when we get into the treatment of COVID, uh, it's kind of out of public health realm. And uh, But we can certainly try to get uh, more information on that for you.
0: Excellent. Uh, Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Janice Fitzgerald, is who we are speaking with on today's edition of On Target. When we come back, uh, going to sort of go in a little bit of a different direction and looking back at sort of the year that was now that uh, 2022 is wrapping up and uh, look back at some of the big challenges that public health has faced and Sort of look ahead to the future and see uh, what we're expecting to see uh, now come in 2023. So that conversation is coming up right after this. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The cabin party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. And we are back here on On Target. Richard Duggan here filling in for Linda Swain this afternoon. Speaking with Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Janice Fitzgerald. And Dr. Fitzgerald, um, now looking ahead, you know, we're into the Christmas season now. Uh, This is the first, I guess, normal Christmas season that uh, we've had since 2019. Um, Just start off, any any advice uh, for people now this Christmas, uh, now that, you know, we're sort of gathering as as normal again?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, all those things we've said uh, many times before still hold true. Make sure if you're unwell... Stay home. don't don't take your don't take your uh, flu or COVID or RSV to, to a party. It's uh, you know it, that's a perfect sp- place for it to spread. So if you're feeling really unwell, please stay home. Um, if your symptoms are improving, like if you're over the worst of things and you want to, um, you know, if you're meeting up with people, then consider wearing. We would really, really would recommend that you wear a mask to help reduce spread because you know for those ten days after your symptoms. Uh, start you can be at hard risk for spreading things around and um, we would certainly recommend that um, you wash your hands well that uh, you know avoid touching your face all those things we talked about at the beginning of the pandemic and um, just make sure you get your vaccines um, that's really really important in our best defense.
0: Looking back at the past year I mean for me looking back now I, I... It, it kind of blows my mind a little bit to look at how much things have changed in a year. This time last year, uh, we were right on the cusp of that big spike in uh, the Omicron cases, and uh, and I can actually remember, you know, here in the, being here in the station, and we had just did like a, a Secret Santa exchange, and uh, I think a couple of us looked at each other in the in the room that we were in, and. We said, oh, this is probably the last time we're all going to be in the same room for a couple of months now. And then sure enough, uh, a couple of hours later, we got the the email saying that, you know, anyone who can work from home needs to work from home from this point forward. Um, What what do you think when you look back at this last year and I guess see how far we've come uh, in the last 12 months?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, those were dark times. You're just, I, I'm having a bit of palpitation here as you were saying all of that. Um, it's um, I think really, you know, we didn't know what Omicron was going to bring and and this, it was really, really terrible timing, wasn't it? I mean, we, but we just didn't know what was going to happen. And I think as we, uh, as we started to move through the Omicron wave and we realized that the severity was not there, uh, you know that that people weren't uh, weren't ending up in hospital in the same way, um, and I, and as our you know we got people vaccinated and children got vaccinated. You know we we were really um, uh, I think started to realize that the, you know we could probably move out of uh, out of that uh, sort of um, reaction mode that we were in, and uh, and I think. You know we progressed pretty quickly to um, to uh, lift the state of emergency the public health emergency um, and uh, and then try to to get back to some kind of normal living with COVID but uh, you know then BA5 in the summer that sort of uh, gave us another spike um, but once again we didn't see the the level of severe illness that uh, we had with other variants so um, you know, I think I, I, I think we're certainly seeing a progression of this virus and that um, that, along with vaccinations, has allowed us to to move forward to where we are today. And uh, um, but, yeah, ho- really hopeful that we don't have to go back to anything like that again.
0: So you mentioned uh, when we lifted the special measures orders last March after two years of uh covid at that point for you how good was it for you to finally be able to say that those special measures orders were lifted oh well you know i, I mean we it was it was really good i mean I, we were quite happy
1: in public health to be able to say that we didn't have a public health emergency anymore um i mean it didn't mean it was over uh it was far from over obviously it was a it was still a quite busy summer and fall and so um you know we're um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a very hard couple of years to, to have gone through. And, uh, and I think that, um, you know, it was, it was, it felt to us like the kind of first step on the, on the road to recovery. So, um, and it's going to take us a little while before COVID sort of finds its niche in our respiratory <laughs> virus landscape, but it will, and, uh, you know, we will get into a pattern, I'm sure of uh, of COVID and, and dealing with COVID on the regular, like like we do, I guess, with flu and RSV and other respiratory viruses.
0: I guess we just mentioned some of it there, but you know, look when you look back at this past year, I guess what's the big thing that sticks out for you?
1: Um, yeah, I guess it was the lifting of the public health emergency, without a doubt, and and uh, that's really, uh, uh, you know. That was quite momentous for us. As I said, the work continued, but but that in and of itself uh, was a was a real hallmark.
0: As we push now into the new year and looking ahead into 2023, um, I guess one of the big things uh, for government will be, or for you guys uh, at public health, will be uh, to continue for the push uh, for vaccinations. Um, I guess, how important is that uh, and how important is that goal for public health now moving into the new year?
1: Yeah, so still really important. Um, you know, we uh, we generally here, in this province anyway, see a, a wave of flu at the beginning of the flu season, and then we see another wave towards the end, smaller generally, but we still see a, a wave. So, you know, we again, we want to prevent um as many people as possible from getting really sick and uh, and ending up in hospital. Um, so uh, so we really are encouraging people to get vaccinated. So really important for everybody to get vaccinated and for parents to um, you know to really get out there and uh, get their kids uh, to the vaccination clinics and uh, and get their flu shots uh, flu shots especially right now because that's what we're seeing circulating. Um, but uh, you know important to be up to date on your COVID vaccines as well.
0: What do you foresee as being the biggest challenges, not just, I guess, in terms of COVID or the flu, but uh, in general for public health now as we move ahead uh, to the new year?
1: Um, You know, public health is, I know people think about public health as being, um, you know, communicable disease control, which we are, that is a big part of our work, there's no doubt about that. But public health works in a lot of other uh, areas as well, so... Public health is very big on, um, you know, health promotion and uh, addressing social determinants of health, health equity. Um, those are all very important roles for us. And certainly we've seen uh, throughout the pandemic, um, you know, the inequities that can uh, result in our, in our society and that a pandemic can bring out. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of work for us to do. And I guess, uh, you know, it's a, a reinvention of public health really here in the province. Um, and that's what we see as our next uh, big challenge. So there's a population health assessment that has to happen. We're working uh, working on that now, um, hoping to have that out in um, 2023 and, um, and to uh, develop a public health plan for the next five years after that. So um, those are our biggest, I think, our big challenges at the moment, and, of course, always prepared for any any kind of communicable disease uh, outbreaks that may come. Uh, you know, we had monkeypox in the in summer, fall, and that's uh, certainly um, uh, things like that can happen all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, looking at Ebola preparedness, obviously uh, uh, whenever there's anything happening elsewhere in the world, if uh, COVID has proven nothing, it's that uh, the world is quite small. So um, we need to, uh, to make sure we're prepared for any threats that may, that may emerge.
0: An eventful year, no doubt, and uh, lots ahead in the future. Dr. Fitzgerald, uh, we only have a couple minutes left. Is there anything else that you'd like to say now or anything, uh, any other points that you'd like to hammer home now before we let you go? Uh, Well, I think
1: for me right now, the most important thing, as I have said, probably too many times already today, but, um, you know, get out there and get vaccinated. Um, It's really important to get your flu shot. Uh, for parents to get their children vaccinated but also to get vaccinated themselves to protect those littler kids that you know aren't able to get the vaccine yet and uh, just make sure you're up to date on your COVID vaccines and uh, you know to have a safe and happy holiday season.
0: Excellent Chief Medical Officer of Health Dr. Janice Fitzgerald thank you so much for your time today on the show really appreciate this and uh, if I'm not talking to you Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas to you. Take
0: care. Excellent. Again, that was Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Janice Fitzgerald. We are up against the clock. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, Linda Swain will be back on Monday. Have a happy weekend, everyone.